Blog Talk Radio.
is Anthony C. Ferrante, director of Sharknado. Hi, this is the voice of BattleBots, Mark Barrow. This is Seth Shostak, senior astronomer at the SETI Institute. This is Frank Joseph. I'm the author of an essay in the latest book, Lost Secrets of the Gods. Hi, this is Linda Godfrey, author of American Monsters. Hello, my name is Robert Salas. I'm the author of Unidentified, the UFO Phenomenon. Hi, this is Nick Redfern, the author of Close Encounters of the Fatal Kind. Hi, my name is Bob Luca. And my name is Betty Andreessen Luca. Hi, this is Jesse Krupas, the producer of JFK, The Smoking Gun. Hello, this is Marty Langford. I'm the director of Doom, the untold story of Roger Corman's The Fantastic Four. Hi, this is Kevin Randall, author of Alien Mysteries, Conspiracies, and Cover-Up. Hi, this is Tracy Roberts, founder of Political Statistics. I'm Jeremiah Bomek the producer of The Reel of Horror. Hi, my name is Bill Hall, author of The World's Most Haunted House. Hi, this is Micah Hanks, and I'm the author of the book The Ghost Rockets. And you're listening to Emmy on the Graveyard Shift talk show, blogtalkradio.com. Deep within the molten core of a dying star. That's hot. From the snow-capped mountaintops of Middle Earth. Orbiting above the Earth in a stolen alien spacecraft. The Graveyard Shift Online Radio Talk Show. Now, strap on your seatbelt, get ready to kneel, true believers, because here's your host, Emmy. Welcome to the Graveyard Shift Season 6 Mega Premiere. Oh my gosh, I cannot believe that we are finally here, Shifties. All of you noobs out there and all of you that stick with me through the hard times and the easy times and the not-so-easy times and, you know, the times that are sort of kind of easy, but then you realize later it's hard and then you're like, man, I wish I could have started that when I knew it was easy. Welcome aboard, guys. Season 6 of the Graveyard Shift online radio talk show. I am your host, Emmy. I am so happy to be here. We have an exciting show for you tonight. Right off the bat, we are going to feature an interview that I have already pre-recorded between myself and the illustrious William Hall, author of The Haunted House Diaries, which, by the way, is available for purchase on Amazon.com. And um, I'm really excited about it. I, I would also, by the way, this show was supposed to be airing earlier tonight at 8.30, but we were given a different time, so we had to kind of deal with that, and well, that's what we do here, we deal with it, right, we, we, we're we given a different time, we got to roll with it, that's the way it goes in the graveyard ship, you got to roll with the punches, and speaking of punches, I'm gonna punch in, how about You know what I noticed, guys, is I noticed that Blog Talk Radio has a new software for their broadcast server. And I, you know, okay, it looks nice. I don't know if it makes me sound better. I don't know if the quality of the audio is coming across crisper. I mean, you know, you can definitely let me know about that, I guess. Which, by the way, if you would like to call in, um, you cannot call in during the interview, obviously, because it's pre-recorded. But if you would like to call in after the interview, if we have time, you can do so at area code 347-237-5187. That's area code 
347-237-5187. You can also, if you don't want to pay for long distance, which who does that anymore anyway? I think everybody's got that kind of included in their phone system, right? You can join us on our Twitter feed at Emmy Shift Show. That's E-M-I-S-H-I-F-T Show, S-H-O-W. I guess it's hashtag Emmy Shift Show. I don't know. I'm not really up in the whole Twitter parlance, but all of you guys out there know what that is. So, you know, you can check me out there. And, uh, you know, if you are going to be at any conventions coming up, because you know I talk about that, you will know that I am going to be in person at the Grand Brony Gala. July 10th through the 12th, 2015, at the Embassy Suites USF in Tampa, Florida. It's a great convention for anybody. It, you don't have to like My Little Pony to be there, but, you know, it probably helps because there's going to be a lot of people that like it. But, you know, hey, it's for everybody. It's for the whole family. It's for the kids. It's for adults, anyone. And, you know, obviously, if you're a brony, um, you better be there I mean, because this whole thing is for you. And it benefits the All Children's Hospital and the Children's Miracle Network Hospital. So, I mean, that's a great cause. I think it's a fantastic cause. I will be there in person that weekend. I cannot promise you that I will be there the whole weekend. Um, those of you that know me know that I have a little problem with my, you know, my back, and I can't always, you know, be there the whole time, but I will try at least to be there Friday and or Saturday. So, you know, make sure to show up all three days, or at the very least, if you want to come and see me, I will be there either Friday and or Saturday. I, I hope to be there on Sunday, but I cannot make any promises. I will be there to sign for my book, Everwhere, which you can buy on Amazon.com or any major bookstore. But I would highly, strongly suggest you wait until you get to the convention to purchase it from me because I will be selling it at an extreme discount. So, I mean, I'm I'm pretty much guaranteeing you guys are going to wait until then because I mean, you can go ahead and buy it on Amazon, but you know, it's a little expensive, you know what I'm saying, so if I were you, I would go to the convention, buy it for me there, that way I can go ahead and sign it and give it to you. Now, another big piece of news I wanted to tell you guys, I'm very proud of this, is that I have been accepted as a published author for Penguin Random House Publishing through their iUniverse department. Now, for those of you who don't know, um, this is really confusing to me because I just started on this. But apparently, brand new authors that are signed with major publishing departments are almost always, not always, but almost always, put in the self-publish, well, they call it self-publishing, but it really isn't, um, branch of the uh, the, the publishing company, which is iUniverse. But... What happens is they put you in there, they publish you, they just don't put as much money behind you as they would if you were, say, going through the main, you know, network, so to speak. So if my book does well, then they move me to the main publishing name and or network, whatever, and then they really push me. So now that you're wondering what book are you writing, Emmy, well, I already wrote it. First of all, well, it's almost done, sort of. I've got a few pages left. What you you writing that book? That book you writing? What are you writing? The book is called Sword of the Spirit. That's sword as in you know sword fighting of the spirit, and it's the sequel to my 2003 book Sword of the Heart. Now Sword of the Heart is already available for purchase on Amazon.com, any major bookstore. Um, if you do buy that and if you show up at the convention, I will sign it for you. 
So if you if you bring bring any of my books with you, I will sign it. And of course, I will you know pose for pictures or whatever. Now, although, well, you know, if you want to take pictures with me, that'd be great. And uh, I'll also be there to do commission sketches and whatnot and blah blah blah. So anyway, that new book does not have a release date yet. I will let you guys know when that happens. I'm very excited about it. I can't wait. It's like the biggest thing that's ever happened to me, except for, of course, me marrying my beautiful wife, Amy, and having my three beautiful, adorable children. So this is a pretty big deal. Um, I have a ton of stories to tell you guys, but I don't know if I have time to tell them because this interview between me and Bill Hall is pretty long. So without further ado, I'm just going to go ahead and play the interview, and you guys can enjoy it. Um, and if I have time later after the interview, I will go ahead and tell you some stories. If not, we'll go do it next time, just like we always do it, right? So here it is. I'm going to go ahead and take a small, short, little break. And then when I get back, we are going to play the interview between myself and Bill Hall. And as usual, punch in shifties because this is where it goes. Season six, baby. I come in, Houston. This is Apollo X. This is Apollo X. Request special permission to dock with the station. Uh, Roger, Apollo, you are go for station dock. Welcome aboard, Shifties. You're listening to the Graveyard Shift online radio talk show. Broadcasting live on blogtalkradio.com slash the Graveyard Shift. Follow us at hashtag Show for our Twitter feed. Stay punched in. We'll be back. I'm standing there waiting to use the payphone. And this guy who's on the phone turns around and tips his hat like this. And who do you think that guy was? Emilio! Ladies and gentlemen, I am on the air with the illustrious author, Bill Hall, the author of The Haunted House Diaries, the true story of a quiet Connecticut town in the center of a paranormal mystery. Um, And actually, this is the second time, I believe, that Bill has been on the air with us uh, in the show. How are you doing, Bill? I'm doing great, and thank you for the the word illustrious. That's a a nice word. Well, I... (laughs) You're very welcome. As I'm sure you, you you may or may not be aware, this is like a little um, <laughs> the the fans count how many times I say that word. Oh, they and do. I think, I think they drink to it. Yeah, I think they. I I know <laughs> that it's a game. Oh, that's so. Oh, if I had known, I would have been prepared. Well, no, that. Oh thing well. I didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I understand now that this book is more of a kind of compendium, right? Because it doesn't just include one haunted house. And again, the last one you have, you talked about the Lindley Street Poltergeist. And that, that book was absolutely unbelievably, like really, I couldn't put it down. I Thank mean, you. and no, you're welcome. And, and um, I know that there's been a bit of controversy. No, nothing, no, not a bit, a lot of controversy over the family of Lindley Street and, and the, the, the incidents and the things that happened around that house um, has there has there been like an update to that, or has there is there any news that you could report before we go on with this book? Uh, yeah, there has. Um, it's it's really the 
the news everybody wanted, which was what happened to the little girl, uh, Marcia Gooden. And, um, it, you know, it happened in March. Um, I was at work and got an email from a reader, uh, and there was a link attached saying, hey, this may be uh, Marcy Gooden. And uh, so I clicked on the link, and it was the Mansfield the News Journal out of Ohio. And uh, it was a tiny, tiny little notice said, you know, the Richland County Coroner's Office is requesting the public's help in finding the next of kin for Marcia uh, Godin. The last name spelled actually the way the rest of the family spells the name, and the Goodins uh, actually spelled a little different because of mistaken a birth certificate. Boring story, but that's the difference. So that's one of the reasons she was hard to find, too. Um, 51, and she died February 10th of 2015 uh, at the Ohio uh, Health Medical Center in Shelby, Ohio. Now, this would have been, I just want to make sure I understand this, this would have been the 10-year-old Marsha, correct? Right, right, from okay. 1974. Yeah, now she okay. just turned 51 and is found dead in Ohio. And, uh, you know, she's a, a, alone and nobody knows, uh, you know, who the next of kin is, so they put an ad out for it. And uh says anybody with information, you know, call the number so she can have a proper burial. So, um, so I get that, and... Luckily, in my search and investigation of doing the the, the book, uh, I did end up coming across a few members of the uh, the Gooden family, and so I reached out uh, to one of them, and she said, "Yes, I'll, you know, I'll sign, you know, I'll sign for it." And uh, but you know, burials cost a lot of money, and she's like, well, "I don't really have the money. Should we take a collection?" And you know, should we bury it next to the parents? But, you know, Marcy was kind of estranged from the parents. So then, uh, you know, there, there's this whole thing, what do we do? And um, so they use they do cremation there, and then, you know, they want to know what do we do with the ashes. And um, matter of fact, I left a message today because uh, um, the woman from the Gooden family said, you know, I really would rather not have the ashes in my house. You know, I mean, she felt horrible for Marcy and wanted to do the right thing, but was a little spooked by the whole history behind it, you know. Right, yeah. And so I said, well, I'll take them, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, wait, whoa, wait you know. a minute. You said you would take the ashes? Yeah, I said, I said well, you know, I'll take them because, I, I don't know, I just felt bad of them having no home sitting on a shelf in the coroner's office for uh, you know, who knows? Because I asked the guy, I said, well, what happens if nobody does anything with the body? And he said, well, it just sits on a shelf forever. You know, just, they just got a room. They throw it in there with all the other lost souls, and they just stay there. So I'm like, oh, that's pretty crappy, you know. Um, but uh, the, the family member is uh, looking at um, uh, tribal tradition for Marcy and, you know, uh, maybe to do something like that. But if, you know, Canada, you know, we know she went to Canada, but they're, they're so secretive with information there. They wouldn't release any information to the coroner. Uh, really? Yeah. So I'm actually a little bit surprised because Canada is not exactly known as a uh, kind of cover-up kind of place, really. I've, I've never known them to be that way. Yeah, you know, I think it's their, you know, their databases, from what, my, what I understand, because I did hire a private investigator to find Marcy, but from what I understand, their databases aren't the same as ours, and a lot of times you have to kind of do boots-on-the-ground investigation to find somebody, whereas, like, 
you know, in the United States, it's, you, know, you just go on the computer and, you know, you search the six major databases and unless you're on a couch somewhere under the radar, you know, we're going to find you, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess Canada is a bit different and they wouldn't release any information to him, uh, which I did find weird considering the circumstances. I could see, you know, in my case of trying to just find somebody, you know, in general versus, you know, somebody died trying to find next to kin, you know. Uh, but she was living with um, uh, this other guy. They believed that they were, you know, simply friends. You know, he had, he's actually in a nursing home now, much older and, you know, uh, and dying himself. But um, but they uh, they stay and he wouldn't sign. I think he was scared that uh, there was some other sort of responsibility that he would take on. But um, but in any event, uh, they were together and. I asked him, I said, uh, he said she was very sick and um, she was on some real heavy painkillers and chances are that, you know, could have been related to that. Not that she intentionally did anything, but, you know, she was had a rough condition, was on some, you know, heavy medication. So I, I, you know, I had asked him, I said, was it epilepsy by any chance? You know, because, you know, we noticed that similarity with these in these poltergeist cases, um, I remember I I vaguely remember you saying that that it was um that you discovered or you also and all and other uh researchers of the paranormal yeah. discovered that there was a lot of cases of these poltergeist activities having to do with epilepsy and in fact if I remember correctly didn't you mention something about that they even um uh hired some kind of telekinetic uh expert or or psychic um some kind of psychic uh energy expert and then even they mentioned something about epilepsy um i didn't hire it but i you know i do know a lot of people who are empaths and you know it seems like there is a high percentage of them that develop like fibromyalgia and things like that so there's definitely i think a connection with some of those things and with that mm-hmm. with epilepsy i know in in some of the poltergeist research in 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 it and when we say a lot, you know, it's probably just a handful, but it, it does stick out because, um, you know, it's it's far more than regular, you know, chance would have it. But, of course, you know, right. you know our data is so poor when it comes to this stuff because most aren't reported and, you know, that kind of thing. But, you know, when you see, you know, wow, this case had it too. Wow, this case had it too. You know, and then it's like, well, that's that's kind of a lot, you know. <laughs> Yeah, and, and you don't know the chicken or the egg, you know. Is it you know the energy there that kind of sets this off, or is it the other way around, and you know that kind of thing. But uh, and she uh, and you know the coroner said no, she had multiple sclerosis, you know, on and off. But he went back and and called me up later. He says I got chills because I went back to the file to double check, and they did mention epilepsy. So I was like, wow, you know. Uh, and it's very interesting. Yeah, and he mentioned to me, he said, um, he said, you know, when I went in that room, uh, you, you know, to see uh, Marcy, um, of course she was dead, you know, he said instantly he had a very eerie feeling when he walked into her hospital room. And he said it wasn't that she was dead. He's, you know, as a matter of fact, his quote was, heck, I've seen so many unusual deaths, <laughs> you know, you, you, know, you, you, you know, you, you could never imagine, you know, this had nothing, I bet. you know, this had nothing to do with that, you know. Right. Uh, but he had this very weird feeling. He felt something definitely was 
you know, was weird about it. He couldn't really describe it. And, you know, this seemed like a real no-nonsense guy. And Yeah, I, I felt it was very interesting that he had that um, that feeling. And, uh, and what was sad is it did give us some insight into at least part of Marcy's life. I mean, uh, she was in Ohio at one point, went to Canada, evidently came back to Ohio. And the neighbors didn't even know she lived there. They never saw her coming or going. So I don't know if the friend she was living with, you know, was going out and getting groceries and doing all those things for her. I would imagine so. Um, but, you know, that was kind of sad. She must have been, you know, relatively um, still alone. I mean, she came back here alone. Hopefully she had some good years in between as a, um, as a reader said, it's, I thought it was a, a well said uh, quote. So, you know, that, that's where we, we are at that. It's kind of a tragic end to, um, you know, a story that was, uh, you know, tragic for her when she was uh, 10. And, uh, you know, like I said, hopefully she had some good years in between. So I hope so. I mean, do we know, and forgive me if you've already mentioned this, but do we know what, what she passed away of? Or maybe, maybe that's something personal that the family doesn't want to be, you know, published. published. Yeah, I mean, you know, they definitely know it's related to her condition, in my guess. Um, you know, from what the coroner said, it, it probably was related to a combination of her condition and, you know, the medication. Um, and I, I don't think they you know, we're looking into it further than that. You know, there right. wasn't there wasn't any mystery to it. It was, you know, she was very, very ill. Um, and, you know, she had it uh, pretty bad at the, at the time based on the medication she was on, is, is what I was told. Uh, they did find uh, in the apartment a letter from her brother, which uh, I believe was a biological brother. So they're, you know... Um, it would have been nice to recover that, and that's actually um, have a follow-up call in uh, with him to see if there's any more to that. But for anybody who has the book, uh, the full update, um, a lot, which I said, but uh, the full update uh, is on the bonus uh, features page of the website. So um, if when I find out any additional details, I'll certainly update everybody there too. And what's what's the website? Oh, that's the uh, bonus feature one in the back of the book. So when you oh, first okay. book and you, yeah. So um, so there you go, guys. If you want to know more about that, you got to get the world's most haunted house and look in the bonus features uh, page for that information. Because and it's and it's <laughs> it's definitely worth knowing about. Because I mean, as you can see, there's already we already have an update about it. So this isn't a static story that just stays there and doesn't ever get told. You know, know nothing about it ever again. You know, so. You know, I it's it's a really interesting one. I now do you do you talk about this particular house in the haunted house diaries at all, or or is this uh, just mainly list? Is this only mainly talked about in, the, in this other book? Uh, no, I do not talk about it in haunted house uh, diaries. Uh, haunted house diaries is uh, specific to uh, an area actually in Connecticut. Also, it, it's really an kind of like a, well, it is a paranormal flap and uh, appears to be in a triangular shape covering uh, an area there. Um, actually, um, up the road from the, well, way up the road from 
the Hudson UFO sightings. So it runs oh, along that that same parallel all the way up. And um, a good portion of the book focuses on a home that basically is at the epicenter of this flap. And when I say epicenter, there's you know there's water on three sides. It's right. Um, it's right where all of these things are, you know, are happening. And, um, and, you know, we find as you, as you probably know or have heard of that, you know, nearby water is not, um, uncommon. You know, you usually, you know, even look for that. And this has that, uh, typical beside it, um, you know, that the house three sides has, you know, the, the water there. And actually the land there is native American land too. I mean, it's, it's just that whole area has a, a history uh, going back many, many years of uh, bizarre things. And there's some, you know, better known things that I don't really go in. When I say better known, like there's a Yankee peddler in there that, you know, they say this is haunted and things, you know, and I don't, I don't go into kind of the uh, folklore slash urban legend part of it. I, you know, I stuck to things that really weren't uh, written about before. And I mentioned some of the other things is things in that area, but, um, but it's fascinating because, you know, with with this house in in particular, it's not, you know, for the most part, it's not malevolent. This, there's only been three families that have lived in this uh, farmhouse, which is built in uh, the 1700s. And the lady who lives there now literally was born and brought back to that house. I mean, her mother lived in that house, her grandmother lived in the house, her great-grandmother lived in the house, six generations lived in that house. So, and as far back as, you know, everyone tells the stories that, that you know, there's been paranormal activity there. And um, Donna, the lady of the house, in fact, um, she didn't know what paranormal was. She just thought it was how everybody's house was. Wait, so wait, she, so she, wait, so I mean, these, so then things were things were happening, but she didn't associate them with the I mean I'm, I I want to make sure I'm understanding this right were things happening and she didn't know that's what what the reason was well no she in other words she knew that they were you know whatever you want to call them spirits or whatever you know you know her her theories change and develop as she was there but she thought that was normal you know what I mean that's <laughs> what I mean because she because she grew up with it you know oh, yeah like, oh my god that's amazing and you yeah, know it's it, it's amazing, but at the same time I've heard it before. It's amazing yeah. how many people grow up with this stuff, and they just to them it's just an oh okay that was you know you it's. I remember growing up. I actually have my own experience of something like this, and oh, I normally wow. don't talk about this, but you bring you brought it up, so you're going to bring it out of me. Yeah, no, and, I'd love to hear. It. Yeah. Oh, this is going to it's kind of cool. My grandmother lived in this one house. Um, I don't know how old it was. I don't think it was that old. Maybe turn of the century, if even, if even. It was like a, it was a brick house. And um, one day I I went there. You know, I was a kid, and you know, you 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 know they're you know it's a it's a house, so you're gonna hear old you know the house settling and stuff like that. And I didn't think anything of it. And so um, my mother kind of. Um, I was talking to her, and then I told her about all the stuff that I was hearing, and she said, "Okay, I, I have something to tell you. You need, are you sitting down?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm sitting right in front of you. Of course, I'm sitting down." 
And she said, okay. <laughs> and she said, well, she went, she was there because she would visit, you know, my grandmother obviously on a, on a regular basis. And they were sitting, my grandmother and my mother were sitting in the kitchen. My grandfather was not home yet. Okay. He, he used to work at a cigar factory. And for those of you who don't know, they're listening. Tampa is, or at one point was the cigar capital of the world, really. It was, we were called oh. Cigar City. And, you know, we have all these really old, you would really like it, Bill. There's these really old, have you ever been to Tampa? No. You would love it. There's all these really old cigar factory I buildings. I'll stay at your house. I'm sorry? <laughs> I'll stay at your house. <laughs> oh, you'll stay here? Oh, my God. You'd have three three rambunctious children to deal with. But anyway, <laughs> um, he used to work at the cigar factory kind of picking up the tobacco leaves or whatever. And he had not gotten home yet. Well, again, my mother and my grandmother were in their kitchen. And you can't see the front door from where you are. In their kit, in her kitchen, and they heard the door opening and closing. So my mother said, "Oh, Poppy is here." You know, Poppy is Spanish for dad. And yeah. my grandmother's like, "Oh no, 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 that's the little boy." And you know, you could kind of. My mother's like, "What? What do you mean the little boy? What little boy?" And she says, "The little boy, the little, the little boy, the little ghost boy." Mother's like, "What the hell are you talking about, little ghost boy, Mom? What, what little <laughs> ghost boy?" I mean, she thought my grandmother was like pulling a. a pulling yeah. her leg or something. It doesn't so matter of fact. Oh, that's a little ghost boy. What, exactly. That's that's exactly it. And and you know, so my mother's wondering what in God's name is happening is my is is my you know, this is coming from her. Is my mother going crazy? So she goes my grandmother goes into this long diatribe about apparently the entire time they had been living in that house, they have had numerous experiences with this little boy. That would walk in and out of the house. He would sit on the on the edge of their bed. He would, you know, just kind of be there looking at them. In fact, then then it turns out my cousin had an experience with this little boy, and this was we did not know this. They no one had said, and isn't this amazing? No one had said anything. And what was even more amazing is each of us had a separate experience, not saying a word to the other person. And we knew it was the same because we all had the same. It was like, oh, it's a little boy. And in, and this is kind of sweet, um, well, in a, in a very ethereal sense. But my cousin's experience was that he was, um, you know, he would kind of spend the night at my grandmother's house sometimes for whatever reason. And they had a, like a, a guest room there. And he would sleep there. And then he said one night he woke up and felt like a, like a warm body next to him. Obviously, there was nobody there. When he looked he saw the little boy laying down next to him, kind of snuggling with him. So that was, wow. he was like, yeah. and, he, he, and I'm like, my God, you didn't get up and run. He's like, no, you know, the weirdest thing was it felt so beautiful and so natural. It felt like, like it's, like, it's okay. He's not going to hurt me kind of thing. So. Right. Right. And, and, and it's funny because that kind of experience uh, happens too, and of course that happened in in this house. But I'm I'm sure it's common throughout. Each one has an experience. Nobody wants to mention it to the other. Meanwhile, uh, if they did or when somebody does, they're all like, "Oh my God, I you know me too." And right, you know, there's a right. whole, whole and bunch then, of me too's and sharing and exactly. uh, of uh, stories. Yeah, and suddenly you're not so crazy. <laughs> right, <laughs> suddenly, right. Suddenly it's suddenly not the burrito. It's not the burrito yeah, that oh, you ate the night before. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, it's not that time I bang my hair. Yeah. Exactly. But, uh, but yeah, and, and that's, you know, what's fascinating about this is um, 
she, from when she was a teenager, you know, she's in her 60s now, from when she was a teenager, she kept this uh, diary and by diary, I mean, these were on slips of papers, backs of envelopes. I mean, and, and, you know, she had it typed out when she gave it to me, but she said, Mr. Hall, come look at this. I want to show you, I, I don't want you to think that I'm making it up or I just typed this out. And she showed me this box of all of these different kinds of papers and, you know, you know, different from different years, backs of envelopes, and, you know, where, where she had cataloged, you know, as it happened, all this stuff. And the variety of phenomena, I mean, from from UFOs to, to Bigfoot to entities to uh, ancestors to time slips, uh, just an incredible uh, amount of phenomena and, and are, and these, are these things that happened in the house or in or near the house or both yeah i oh, mean yeah all, all of the above i mean ufo sightings <laughs> as, as well as uh things typical of kind of a, the a ufo experience i mean we tend to classify you know if you're outside we tend to classify things more as ufo rather than paranormal you know depending you know it's just the way our mind thinks, you know, because it's open sky. Uh, right, and, so, you know. and, I, and I understand. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, and I was going to say, so in this case, you have, you know, crossover of some experience that is um, uh, similar to, you know, UFO kind of activity as well as UFO sightings, uh, Bigfoot sightings, not in the house, but, I mean, you know, in, in that area. And actually, that goes back. Uh, hundreds of years in the in the nearby mountain, which is now a ski resort. Um, so you know, Bigfoot sightings, a long, long history of that. And, well, that's that's uh, common in that area. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. And, and I, I mean, mean, and not only that, but the house isn't wasn't the house like in the, built in like the 1790s, I, be, I believe. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Now, yeah. and and that kind of explains a little bit why the ghost hunters, the famous ghost hunters, Ed and Lorraine Warren. When they investigated it, they dubbed it like Ghost Central. I mean, did, yeah. what what kind of experiences did they have when they went there? Um, Lorraine um, said she felt the presence of, of uh, spirits, and she told uh, Donna that she feels that, uh, that she's not in danger, um, you know, that she wasn't getting a, you know, horrifying, you know, uh, feeling, you know, anywhere in the house. Um, but, uh, but there's, there's just quite a lot. There have been a few negative things that happened there. You know, I think they were more fleeting. You know, I, I, I related as this, if you took a different family and put it in, in that house, hmm. it, it could be a disaster. You know, the, but the wrong, yeah, exactly. The right kind of family is, you know, that's one thing, but exactly. Yeah. Right, you know, sending out the frequency of attracting the wrong things, whereas they're so, you know, I, I mean, they, they, they get startled. It's, it's not it's not a fear of fear. Obviously, whenever you get startled, it doesn't matter what it, you know, what it is, something not, right. you know. It's not the same, quite the same as fear. In fact, you know, Donna's told me, she said, well, not really time to be afraid because you see something and then, you know, it's gone or something, so it's, it's more than not knowing when things are going to happen. Right, and and I'm glad you said that. Yeah, yeah. it's it's not necessarily what you see. A lot of people that are not familiar with this kind of thing that they're more fans of it or new fans. Yeah. That's really yeah. most of our audience 
most of the audience of this show are new fans that that they just got into the paranormal or they're like fans of horror movies that they like to hear about stuff like this. So um, that's kind of one of the reasons why when I talk to authors and I discuss this kind of thing, I take it from kind of a newbie aspect because I'm trying to help them understand it. And I'm glad you said that because that kind of helps me to explain to our listeners that when these things happen, they don't just happen like you see in the movies, like, you know, you see, you know, your your kid brothers on the floor playing with the doll. And you're like, you know, Nathan, Nathan. And he goes, looks back and like, oh, my God, you know, it's right, not like right, that. Right. <laughs> That's it's, Hollywood. It's, this is not the same yeah, and, thing. You know, and and how it, it is interesting that way because, you know, in horror movies there's normally, you know, just one or two reactions. You know, in real life you have, as as we saw in Lindley Street, I mean, there's anxiety, there's depression, there's sadness, there's anger, right. there's, uh, you know, there's uh, hysterical, there's, you know, you're frightened. You know, it's it's a myriad of, of, of emotions either within one person or, you know, different people you know, handle it differently. So, exactly, exactly. Yeah, how many times, have, you know, I've, I've been watching a show or a movie and I'm like, that person was a scream. You know, they, they wouldn't have been able to say anything. Right, you know? yeah. I mean, and and maybe of... I'm wrong, maybe some of them would, but, you know, some of those situations you see and you're like, I don't even think I'd be able to let a word out. You know, and I wouldn't be able to scream. I would just be completely silent and, sh- and in shock. You know. Well, yeah, I mean, I think I would be too, especially something that happens just just in front of you and without you even being warned or anything. I'm I'm curious about these uh, phantom notes and and correspondences that kept being delivered to the house. Well, that is something that I'm not usually. You don't usually hear about that with these kinds of uh, experiences. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah. Um... And this is this is kind of an example of, you know, what I would call a you know time slip, um, or, or it may not be. And that's that's you know part part of the cool thing that, with with this book that that I like about the book is there's some uh, chapters you know talking about you know what could it be, or you know what are the different interpretations, or you know, and I asked Paulino who's been in doing this for 44 years, and Shane uh, Sirois who's you know, unbelievable, knowledgeable Native American, you know, had the haunting and near-death experience and all that stuff younger. And, you know, he, he, he walked in the house and was able to tell me stuff that was in, in the diary that he never read. Because I asked him, I said, do you want it? And, you know, it's not published, right? And I said, do you want to read it before you come to the house? He's like, no, no, let me just, you know. And he walked in and said, well, I sense this, I see this, I see that. And I'm like, and and even, you know, Donna lives in the house, she's looking at me like, holy crap. You know, he's taking things that have happened over the years and he's, you know, he's telling them all. So anyhow, it, it's kind of neat to um, to talk about, you know, what these things could be. And sometimes, you know, there's a few different things that can be. But in any event, you know, what happened was um, this is when Donna was uh, uh, younger, you know, as a, a teenager. And... Um, a note was left, you know, sorry I missed you, and uh, signed by, you know, two of their friends. And uh, they said, oh. So, you know, the mother picks up the phone and uh, and uh, calls and, um, you know, doesn't get them. And, you know, and then, you know, a few hours go by, there's a knock on the door, and it's them. And they said, oh, yeah, I got your note. Sorry we missed you. We tried. And they're like, well, we didn't leave a note. So, you know, 
that was bizarre. And then there was another there was another note left, and um, the mother called them, uh, but these people were out of state, and they said, "No, we weren't going to see you." So it was, it you know, just a, a a bizarre kind of occurrence. But these are the kinds of things that happen uh, in this house. And what's really neat is is because nobody's in, and because it's not a Lindley Street and nobody's in peril, you know, and the family is fascinated by this too. Um, it's like a great place to go and see what you can, you know, every time you go, there's something different happens, <laughs> you know, and it's a great place to go and set up cameras and, you know, uh, set up recorders and, you know, we, we'd set up the cameras that go off when there's movement and um, it's it's a great place to basically capture phenomena, you know. So, I mean, I'm assuming I'm assuming that someone has already captured some EVP sessions. I mean, has, did Ed and Lorraine do any EVP sessions when they were there, or, no, or anybody for that matter? No, they didn't. But uh, I did with uh, Shane and uh, and Paul. You know, we uh, we did a number of them, and using a variety of equipment, and we also uh, got photo evidence. Um, uh, one of them was a little girl, uh, which is a whole story about, and uh, and also video evidence. And this, to me, you know, when I saw this, uh, this was the thing that really uh, shocked me because um, I'll tell you part of this story. It's one of my <laughs> favorite chapters in the book because it's just it's just such a bizarre story. Their grandson, when he was about three used to, like, you know, he would be sitting playing in the middle of a carpet, and he would, like, look up, and he'd look up and point. As a matter of fact, on the bonus page of this book, there'll be a home video where you see the, the little child on a rocking horse just keeps stopping because he's distracted over and over and pointing and pointing and saying, well, hmm. you know, <laughs> and you, you can hear Donna, the mother, you know, I, I mean, the grandmother, um, who kept the diary, she's the one who kept the diary, you know, keep trying to figure out what he's looking at. And of course, you know, some of that stuff happens. So you say, okay, well that as an isolated incident doesn't mean paranormal, of course, but as a whole story, it just gets really uh, interesting. So uh, he, you know, he'll play in the middle of the living room and stuff and be distracted. Uh, like he's nodding his head and, you know, listening to something and he would go over to the bathroom area and again, he'd point. And he'd stay there and kind of, sh- you know, shake his head and listen. And, and they'd have to literally go and pick him up to move him because he, he would just stay in that area. Mm. And, and um, so then as he's talking and, you know, getting a little bit old, I think when he was about, I think it was about four, you know, it's a little bit later. He's, um, as he's starting to go to school and stuff, he, he starts talking about uh, Ashwine. Um, I'm sorry, you're talking about what now? Because I lost that part. Ashwar. Ashwar? Yeah, he said Ashwar is a girl in a blue dress, and she was in a car accident, and now she's stuck here to observe. And, uh, you know, they said, what are you doing? I'm playing with Ashwar or whatever. And they're like, what the heck? So, you know, so they basically said, you know, let's not talk about this thing, you know, outgrow it. And even the mother would go to the parent-teacher conference, and they'd say, "Well, you know, how's your sister? How's how's the, how's your how's your 
you know, daughter. And she's like, I don't have a daughter. You know, you know I mean, he was just talking about this person, oh, this, quote unquote, invisible friend, you know. And uh, then he, um, so all this, all this is, is happening and, and he, he, he tells some very detailed things about the car crash and the type of car, you know, very bizarre for somebody that age, the type of detail he was sharing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then he would go out by this tree and he'd put his trucks around it, you know, his toys and, you know, and so what are you doing? I'm putting toys out for Ashwar. Where's Ashwar? Ashwar is in the tree, you know? So Paul Eno was there because uh, he started this case in 2005. That's actually how I found it because I became friends with Paul, who, if you remember, was the 21-year-old seminary student in, in the uh, in the Lindley Street case back in 74. Right, yes, I do remember that, yeah. Yeah, so I, I became good friends with him through, you know, interviewing and, and stuff from that book. And uh, uh, we became quite close, and, and so he said, well, you know, I have this case in your neck of the woods. Why, you know, I'll come introduce you to family and stuff. So, and, you know, that's how I got involved in it. And he, uh, so the, the grandson, you know, Paul's there and the grandson mentions Ashwar and Paul says, well, where is Ashwar? He says, oh, he's out in the tree. So it's, this is at nighttime. So Paul goes out with infrared camera and he films up in the tree and he captures this, uh, I can only describe it as uh, a cross between like a serpent and a tadpole almost. And it mm. looks like it's either in front of the tree or coming down. It, it looks like it's coming down the tree, but it may not be, you know. And as it comes down, then it kind of goes into to a mist. But it's very much a very specific shape before that. You know, it's not like, oh, it's just a mist or, you know, and it, nobody was smoking or nothing out there. It's, you know, we've had the video looked at too i mean it's it's bizarre it's not very long but it's that'll be on the bonus page too by the way but it's it's an incredible uh video but and then it gets more interesting because uh, so it appears we call ashwar on film basically you know Hmm. and and um you know and never did any harm or anything it was just you know he's playing with ashwar you know it was kind of, and, it's kind of like an imaginary friend kind of thing, except it was not imaginary. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I wonder how many of our imaginary friends are, you know, are this kind of thing. But, I and, actually, I once interviewed uh, an author that wrote a book about that subject, and it was unbelievable how many um, – I wish I remembered the name of the book because it was really cool. It was This was many years ago when I was – the, I call it my brick and mortar days when we had the show in the actual physical radio station, um, uh-huh. and um, yeah, it was really fun. And she wrote a book about, you know, her son had an imaginary friend, and then she, all this poltergeist activity was happening that was connected to it, and then uh-huh. you know they, they were kind of these kind of people where you know the, the poltergeist wasn't really harming anybody; it was just saying, "Hey, I'm here." kind of thing. Right, right. And but they still didn't want it to be around because they thought, you know, they didn't want it they didn't want to think if maybe it traumatizes the child maybe or so you know, they kind of let it move on, helped it move on and whatever. And that was fine and that was it. But that kind of made her wonder and she, cuz she's a writer and she thought, "Well, man, if this happened to my son, I wonder how many more people this happens to." So she kind of made um see, this was before social media, so she kind of did a uh 
a uh, she went on the bulletin board online and uh-huh. she kind of sent out um a query and she said she could not believe how many people responded like hundreds and hundreds of people responded and um really it it's really it was really amazing how that, yeah that, that's a fascinating uh concept and it really and, is and, and it makes sense and you know it's funny because in the Lindley Street book Joe officer Joe Tomic said that experience made him think how many people are in jail that shouldn't be because it was related to something, you know, paranormal. That's true. That's very you true. Know, so I mean, but it's interesting how your perspective changes on that. You know, we think imaginary friends is one thing, but you know, if, if it, if some of it mimics that, then it would stand the reason that there would be a, a lot of that, that really was phenomena and a lot that wasn't, you know, it's, you know, just like anything else, but you would know that there would be phenomena in there, definitely. And like, was this the case? Um, and what was interesting with this creature or entity, for I should say entity, I don't know why creature. I guess because I saw it, that looks like a creature. But well, you know, sure, was, yeah. I mean, I I think yeah. that's a valid way of describing it. But uh, what's interesting is there's a, a gentleman, uh, uh, Greg Harold, who. Uh, wrote a book about these uh, creatures that he believes are aliens, and he caught them quite by accident on his camera. Uh, he was trying to catch vandals, and and he saw these creatures and filmed them over a period of, I think, two years. And they look like Ashwar. And so in the book, there's actually a picture of the one of his pictures from his um, filming, and then a still of Ashwar side by side, and it, huh. it appears it appears to be the same creature as that. So I mean, it's just a fascinating, um, it, it's just an example of the, the kinds of things that happen, um, you know, in, in that house and in that whole area, including, um, you know, there there's military down there. So I mean, people are being chased out of this farmland area, you know, up in Grana. So they're being chased out of there with, you know, armed guards. So, huh. so, I mean, we think that they were there. I don't know if they're there now, but it, um, you, you can't really get there because since then they fenced everything off and, you know, but uh, it, it's, you know, I wonder if they're there studying it. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, who knows for sure. It, yeah, it's quite possible there was now now there's some things that happen in that area too. Like everything else, these stories are never simple. I mean, uh there was rumor that the UFO crashed in Bantam Lake there and stuff and, and that's not true at all. It was a meteor and never crashed. It just appeared like it crashed because, you know, if something goes over the horizon it you know, it appears to come down. Right. So you know, so those kinds of things I I don't include in the book. I I'm only interested in, you know, the real phenomena. But of course, you know, like like we know, it you know, it's never a simple story in real life. All sorts of stuff happens. You know, well, exactly. But, um, and, and again, like you said many times, it, it, each person has their own perspective out of it, and in their own experience, that adds color to it and adds a different uh, kind of angle to the story. So uh, oh, there's yeah. really there's no such a thing as cut and dry. You know, I mean, sure there are cases where everyone experiences the same kinds of things. But not necessarily in the same kinds of ways. So right, and 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 that's uh, and that's why I think this is a, a fun book because I spent a lot of time 
trying to supplement what was there with some of that discussion. You know, like uh, there's a chapter on what magic has taught me about, you know, interpreting. I was phenomena. just going to ask you about your magic, actually. I was going to ask, just now I was going to oh, ask you about your oh, magic yeah. background. Oh, well, that's fine. <laughs> so please, please and, go, please proceed. You know, and analysis of the phenomena and, you know, how the investigation, um, you know, goes on and, you know, what it could be. So, you know, uh, Mark D'Antonio was generous enough to share his personal experience within that triangle as well as uh, his other paranormal experiences that leads him to believe that it could possibly be, you know, a, a parallel world intersector, you know, a multiverse kind of thing. Um Maybe we should call oh. Stephen Hawking and do that kind of a <laughs> yeah, or, yeah or that or that what's it Michio Kaku you know that or uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson to see if they could find out some kind of scientific uh, you know well, I'm I'm just I'm messing around I'm being a no well, you know it's funny I mean Stephen Hawking I know at one time he uh, he was adamantly saying that you know there's no way that time travel is possible and and I forget the guy but this other scientist at the time said no I think it is and. And he said, well, I'll send you a paper on why I think it's possible. And Stephen Hawking said, well, I'll send you my paper on why it's not possible. <laughs> and, they, and they got each other's paper. And, you know, the other guy said, no, Stephen, you're right. I'm wrong. It's, you're right. It's not possible. And Stephen Hawking goes, no, wait a minute. <laughs> I think you're right. So, I mean, that's how, <laughs> that's how difficult this stuff is. You know what I mean? You got, yeah. you got some of the most brilliant minds in the world, and they've just convinced each other that each other was wrong. You know, That's pretty funny. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, it's uh, it's become a lot more scientific in in the past two years, but of course, it's still highly speculative. And uh, but that's what's fascinating is there's different ways to interpret it. You know, are they spirits right. of the dead? Are they from a different universe? Are they from a different time? Is it a combination of all three, depending on what you're looking at? You know, is it a time slip or is it uh, an entity messing with you because they know what's going to happen because of whatever, you know what I mean? So there's all kinds of ways that you can look at this. And um, and some seem to be, you know, what's going on and other things you say, geez, well, that's interesting. Never, You know, and it's funny because, you know, between Paul and Shane, there's probably over 100 years of experience in uh and there's a few things in there like, well, no, I never ran across that before, you know? <laughs> you know? Right, right. And, mo- and most of the stuff they have, you know, I mean, a lot of the phenomena is stuff that I've heard of, not experienced, you know, but um, but there's just so many strange things that have happened uh, in and around this area that, um, you know, some things you're like, wow, that's, that's really weird, you know? And to have all these things happen, uh, you know, right in that, you know, in that house, the variety of phenomena there is, is uh, just amazing. You know, as the Warren said, Ghost Central and, and, uh, and you know, like uh, Paul and Ben say, you know, every time we go there, you know, we have a new experience. And that's what's cool about it. I mean, you go there for an overnight and, you know, it's not, oh, I hope we get something on paper. I hope we get a book. I mean, you just know, it's not like things are happening all the time. You know, it's, it's, it's real life, you know, and as you know, these things in real life are not like in the movies, you know, but, um, but, you know, you set everything up and you go upstairs and then you come down and, you know, doors open that was closed, that kind of thing. Right, right. Or, yeah, or something shifts and you're like, man, I could have sworn I put that salt there. What, where's the salt? Oh, it's on the table. Oh, okay. 
um, I'm I'm curious about uh, one of the things that we're we're kind of experimenting with this in, in this new season is I've started to get into a lot of new little hobbies and interests. I think I discussed this with you before, and um, one I mean I'm I first of all I'm learning how to play the guitar and I'm, I'm kind of in the beginner intermediate level right now. But another oh, thing that I'm sorry. Yeah, I said awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it um and another thing that I'm getting into is magic, and I actually you and Jim Steinmeier are two of the people that got me interested in it. And, wow, um, that's cool. So I wanted first of all I wanted to thank you for you know getting me peaked. Well, I've I've always had kind of an interest in it, and I did used to do a little sleight of hand like a long time ago, but not anywhere near. That I would say that I would say, oh, I was a magician. I'm not even close. So I've kind of started getting into it a little bit, and I wanted to see what would be the possibility of incorporating this subject into the show, because I and and I think it would fit, and I know in fact it would fit because I've interviewed so many authors that are also magicians, and not just you and Jim. There have been others, and I just think it's really cool how this thing kind of connects, but. Now what I would like to do is kind of talk a little bit about um, your ma- your magic background and and kind of what what do you like? How did you train for it? Like what kind of things did you uh, feel were your best? Um, like if somebody was just getting into it, not just for me, but anyone listening uh, is getting into this stuff for the first time, what would be a good way of getting into it? And and what would be some good training? Um, training magicians to kind of emulate or learn from? Yeah, I mean, you know, for me, um, you know, my turning point is when my grandmother, God bless her, she was the only one who had uh, faith in me, and rightfully so, because I believe I was probably eight or nine or so. (laughs) I I wasn't old enough for you to have a lot of faith in me, but uh, I remember she with the bill to send for the course in magic that was uh, out of the magazine. And it was close to about $70, which, of course, was a lot of money back in probably was the late 70s, I think. That, yeah, that would have been a lot. Yeah. yeah a lot That's a lot now. Back. I mean. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah good point. And uh, so the Mark Wilson course in magic, uh, which actually, you know, I think Barnes & Noble even sells it. And I think they sell it probably like 20 bucks or something, which is sad, but, you know, um, and, you know, for me, that just, it, it was very well explained, you know, the, the illustrations and everything, they really helped you with the step-by-step being able to see how things were done. Um, you know, magic was difficult for, for me to learn uh, as a child because we didn't have magicians on we didn't have teaching uh dvds or anything you know it was all reading and uh you know some of these guys i'm sure they were great magicians but they were really lousy um teachers you know (laughs) so you know and so you know you'd, you'd do a trick for three years and then meet somebody else at the magic club which you know joining the magic club is probably my uh, number one recommendation, you know, local society of American magicians or society of young magicians, if you're, you know, younger. Um, and that's great because, uh, then you do stuff and, you know, you have the old timers who will, who will, you know, give you a hint, uh, you know, if you hold your hand this way, it's easier. And, you know, 
And so, uh, so that's invaluable. So that would be that, that would be probably the first tip. And then I think the Mark Wilson course in magic is still a very, very good, uh, you know, book to have, but you know, these days there's so many, uh, you know, DVDs and things like that, that it, it really is uh, great. I and mean, there's some tricks though. I'll, I'll tell you on video doesn't really like real tricks. You think video would help? I don't know. Sometimes I think no. <laughs> you know, I've noticed that myself. I've been I've been looking over different, um, you know, uh, training videos, different magicians that I've been recommended by Jim and, and and our local magic shop here, and some some of the stuff I I, I I've been able to sort of kind of imitate by and putting my own little you know mustard on it, and um, but some of the other, like you said, there are some things that just don't translate to video that you just have to see live and, and well, I don't know how to explain a, it. Or even in a book, if the book's done well, I've seen, I've learned some pretty complicated uh, rope tricks from, uh, from a book and yet had a more difficult time uh, on video with some of them. Although, you know, my biggest problem now is memory. God, I'm getting old, I guess. And I'm not old, but, <laughs> but you know, me, are you old, Bill? Are you really? Are you? Are you just? No, no, <laughs> no not at all. Yeah. So, but uh, but it's funny because that's to me that's the biggest thing is you know uh, I used to do a lot of complicated stuff you know that had a lot of steps to it you know now I'd pick it up so uh, I remember this and oh man I forget what happens after this. <laughs> well, I mean, and you can incorporate that. Well, and you know, and being a seasoned magician yourself, you can incorporate that into your act, though. And you can, you know, you know, kind of, well, you well, already know the steps, but yeah, no, you know what I, I mean? Like, mean, yeah, I would never do it uh, to anybody if I didn't remember it. But I mean, just doing it to yourself, you're like, oh, I used to do this trick all the time. I mean, there's some other stuff that you can wake up at 3 a.m. and you, you know, you, you never forget it, you know. Um, but uh, but I but that is what makes it exciting because you know if you have a library of books on there you could always grab something and rediscover it. But uh, but yeah, I mean I yeah. But to make a long story short, I think it's um, you know join a magic club, you know get a get a few good books and DVDs like you recommend. And what I always used to do is I would always work on I'd work on something easy and something kind of middle of the road and then something more complicated i'd work on like those three things you know i'd work on the easy one because that one of course made me feel i wasn't a total loser you know <laughs> yeah the middle one because you know it had it was a little you know you got to practice it a lot and stuff but it was still short term and then if you work on something complicated you're not looking for an immediate payback so that was a nice way to kind of tide you over you're willing to give it the patience because you've got the other things you're concentrating on. So I always thought that helped because I think, you know, a lot of magic too is about, uh, you know, having fun with it and, and, you know, having fun practicing, you know, right. And I've heard of a TV or whatever, you know, with a coin or, you know, you have to have fun with it. And, um, you know, a lot of magicians are introverts, you know, because magic is something that even though you perform for people, so it's seen as a social you know, universal communication, which it is, um, you know, we, we know that a lot of the real magic happens, you know, when you're alone, you know, when you're alone practicing in your bedroom, you know. Right. Um, I, I I agree with that. And I think that um, I, I, I think it's a fun thing to do and, and really, you know, 
I, I'm I'm surprised how much I'm getting into it. I never thought it would really, you know, get me that interested, but I'm really starting to really enjoy it. And um, so, I mean, it's, it's nice to talk to other people that are really into it. And um, but there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. I think that that was uh, that that's what I would recommend. That's what Bill recommends as well. Um, so, Bill, this this book, getting back to this book, the Haunted House Diaries, is going to be out. I believe in August this year, correct? Yes, August seventeenth, uh, and uh, you can even get a signed copy from me directly if you wish at uh, uh, WilliamJHallAuthor.com. And um, there's some free things on there and some uh, information and whatnot. And uh, and you know, I'd be happy to sign and send you out a copy too if you'd like. Great, and we'll we'll have a link to the uh, your website on the episodes page. Uh, so if anyone wants to do that, to, to get a signed copy, which I would recommend doing, um, to please go ahead and, and, you know, get on that website, which is WilliamJHallAuthor.com, uh, right? Yes. And then they'll be able to order it there. Are you going to be making any uh, public appearances anytime soon or anytime this year? Yes. Uh, in fact, uh, all my appearances and interviews and everything uh, are on the website, too. There's a calendar of events there, so... Um, so that's there for you, and uh, it's actually all up to date now through, I don't know, through October. No, I'm sure there'll be more stuff at it, but I mean, uh, I do keep it up to date. So uh, ho- hopefully you can check it out and you know catch me, you know, live or, um, or live on the radio or live in 3D. <laughs> uh, that's great. Know. That's great. Um, so um, fantastic. So hopefully we'll. We'll um, we'll we'll see you live sometime again in our neck of the woods. Although I mean I know it's going to be difficult to do that, but um, hopefully one day we'll do that. And uh, the next time now is this? I know that there's a there's another one another book coming out though, right? Can can you at least give us the title of that one and when that will be out or or not yet? Well, well that's the uh, haunted house diaries. That's the new one. Oh, that's the new one. So this okay? Yeah. So there isn't a set. Okay, I thought there was another one. Okay. Yeah. So, but now the other one that we were discussing today is is already available, which is the that's already that's already available, and you can you can get that off my website too. Yeah. Right, and again, if you guys have not read it yet, and you can go back on our show archive page, ladies and gentlemen, and read, excuse me, listen to the interview between me and Bill, which is the first interview which we had, which was the world's most haunted house, which I highly highly recommend. It's one of my favorite interviews actually, and uh, oh. fan, no, it really was, and and actually. Fans have uh, emailed me saying it was one of their favorites too. So, um, oh, that's awesome. I yeah, oh, it was. It was great, and um, so I highly recommend that. And please do on August seventeenth, twenty fifteen, guys. The Haunted House Diaries: The True Story of a Quiet Connecticut Town in the Center of a Paranormal Mystery. Don't miss it. So, Bill, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, of course, you're always oh, welcome to come in again and again. We'd love to have you on. And um, when next time oh, I you. Love that. Yeah, it, absolutely. And next time you're doing a show or something, you know, kind of, you know, have a have a, a thought about us down here, and uh, we'll we'll see you soon, my friend. Put your warm speed on hold, Graveyard Shift fan. Our illustrious host, Emmy. Why the hell does he always say that word, illustrious? We'll be right back after this break with more shifty, yeah, like shitty awesomeness. I can't believe this guy. Who the hell does he think he is? Um, oh, okay, um, yeah, we'll, uh, 
we'll, we'll be right back. the interview. It was a long one. I told you it was a long one. And uh, I'm sure that next time Bill comes around with a book, we will be hearing from him. Make sure to stay tuned. Uh, We will be airing another uh, episode next Saturday 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can uh, go to our website blogtalkradio.com slash thegraveyardshift. Also follow us on our Twitter feed hashtag emmyshiftshow. And, of course, uh, look for us on Facebook.com and our group page. So I want to thank Bill Hall once again for being available for the interview. And you can go to any bookstore to buy his book. It's called The Haunted House Diaries. You can also buy The World's Most Haunted House. Or you can go to his website, um, which I believe is WilliamHallAuthor.com, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Yes, I believe it is. uh, Let me see. Well, actually, looks like it's a world's most haunted house dot com. So um, that's that's that. And there you go. There you have it. So I want to thank everyone for tuning in, and I'll see you guys next week here on the Graveyard Shift. This is Emmy, and I am punching out people. I mean, I am. I no, I'm. I know I am. All right, see you guys. Night. You feel that universe? That satisfied feeling only comes from having finished a super epic, awesome episode of the Graveyard Shift online radio talk show. Hosted by your illustrious host, Emmy. Make sure to follow on blogtalkradio.com slash the Graveyard Shift and our Twitter feed. Hashtag Emmy Shift Show. To stay in the loop for future episodes. Until next time, Shifties, we're punching out.